0: reflecting when we were looking at music to to share, and realizing the stress that we're all living under, new stresses, and especially grief in the loss of one of the moms of this church. So much going on, and, and what a blessing to be able to come here and put it at the feet of Jesus. So we invite you to do that this morning as we sing, consider the words, and consider that there is a better time coming very soon.
1: Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can be back together as a group, Um, most of us anyway. Um, We know that we need the social interaction, and um, thank you for your protections over the last several months and all of the many crazy things going on in our world right now. Um, We would ask that you would um, please continue to be with the leadership in our country and our church Um, at every level in businesses around um, our state and and the country as well. Um, It's been interesting times, but we know that you have been working. Um, There's been a lot of people who have had more interest in spiritual things, had time to spend more with you, and... We thank you for using bad situations or allowing us to um, go through them to um, ultimately have people come closer to you. And we'd ask that you would help us as individuals to have the right words for those that we're interacting with, whether it be online, whether it be in person. Um, Help us to be able to give words of comfort and to steer them to you and your comforts and ultimate eternity with you. Um, We'd ask that you would please be with um, the Latour family, Um, give them comfort in the loss of their mom, Um, and we know that um, this earth is full of many hardships, but um, thank you for being there and for comforting. And we'd ask that you would be with us in this new week, help us to um, represent you well, help us to make sure that we're spending the time that we need to with you to have a relationship to make it through challenging times and again to um, make sure that we're representing you well and um, in love as we interact with others. Thank you so much for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: And happy Sabbath church! Uh, It's so great to hear your voices once again. What a blessing to be back in a larger way. We were somewhat back last week, but what a true blessing it is to have you here, and the fellowship of the believers is sweet. Amen? We're so glad that we can be back and that we are back. Good to see you members and visitors alike. Greetings. Do we have? Yes, we do. So we're in John 14 again. You can turn there. It's our last week in John 14 We're going through John 13 through 17. And so we're just working our way through. So last week in John 14, so then John 15 is all about abiding in Christ. What does that mean? It's a beautiful chapter, the vine and the branches. However, that will not be next week because next week I'm going to take a week and slightly divert, you could say, I'm going to talk about the latter rain. What is the latter rain? Because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And normal Christianity, if you could sum it up in one phrase, is Pentecost. Actually, that's in one word, right? That's the greater works than what Jesus did. That's normal. That's to be our normal Christianity right now. Greater works than what Jesus did. I'll explain as we go along. But first, a few statements about how to change the world There's one method that does it, and it's Christ's method alone, Ministry of Healing 143. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. How did he do it? The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed sympathy for them. He ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Then he bade them what? Follow me. So there was a process that he brought people through in order to change one by one his world. And it's the same method that we can use and should use. Jesus, our example from Desire of Ages says this, the government under which Jesus lived was corrupt and oppressive. On every hand were crying abuses, extortion, intolerance, grinding cruelty. Yet the Savior attempted no civil reforms. He attacked no national abuses, nor condemned national enemies. He did not interfere with the authority or administration of those in power. He who was our example kept aloof from earthly governments. Why, you might say. Here's why. Not because he was indifferent. Here's why he didn't do it, not because he was indifferent to the woes of men, but because the remedy did not lie in merely human and external measures. To be efficient, the cure must reach men individually and must regenerate the heart not by the decision of courts or councils or legislative assemblies, not by the patronage of worldly great men is the kingdom of Christ established, but by the implanting of Christ's very nature in humanity through the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what John 14 is about, John 16 also, all the way through. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit, we say. Here now is the only power that can work for the uplifting of mankind. And the human agency, what's the human agency for all this? The human agency for the accomplishment of this work is the teaching and practicing of the word of God. Are you teaching and practicing the word of God? That is normal Christianity. Greater works than these. You shall do because I go to my father, Jesus said. This is very interesting too. I got this from John Piper and uh, the way it starts off, you might say, hmm, what's that? But I think you'll get it as it goes along. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off, Jesus said, in that context-ish, we have this. There is a mean, violent streak in the life of the true Christian, hmm, But violence against whom or what? Not other people. It is a violence pointed to, I've met the enemy and the enemy is who? (laughs) It's me. It's a violence against all the impulses in us that would cause us to be violent to others. It's a violence against all the impulses in our own selves that would make peace with our own sin and settle in with a peacetime mentality. It's a violence against all lust in ourselves and enslaving desires. Pick your enslaving desire. It's violence against the impulses in our own soul toward racism and sluggish indifference to injustice and poverty and abortion. John Piper. Well done, John Piper, I think. All right, going on with... Normal Christianity, I've kind of already given you what I'm talking about with normal Christianity. I want to tell you to do a, a story to begin this section, and then we'll have prayer. In this story, there is an army. By the way, I wrote this before any of what's been going on. I thought, hmm, an army, do I want to keep that? But I kept it story about an army, a very well-equipped army with the best weaponry, the best battle armor, a military leader that's never lost a battle. Only one problem. Actually, it's three problems in one. The army has taken off their armor. They've also laid down their weaponry. And they're currently not listening to their leader because they are asleep. Everything needed for the final and decisive victory has already been given to them, but slumber has stolen the day. Songs of victory have given way to silence because a death-like slumber has come over the soldiers. Could it be that today the church has everything necessary for final victory Could it be that the armor is within our reach and the weaponry that will vanquish the gates of hell is right here with us also? Could it be that we have a commander that's never lost a battle by our side, but sleep has stolen away the glorious, victorious day? Could it be that God is calling his church to awake? Could it be that he's calling her to a new normal agape that does no harm to a neighbor and fulfills the very essence of the law from the heart? Could it be that God is saying to us through the coronavirus, wake up? Is he calling us to love, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep? For our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on us the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ Make no provision for the lust of the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Awake, sleeping church to the experience of the latter rain that lies just before us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, everything that your church needs, you've already given her. The early rain is here, Pentecost. And the droppings of the latter rain began to fall in the 1888 era. We turned away from it, but Lord, you haven't turned away from us. And the latter rain and the loud cry will return. May we be found on the right side of that equation when it happens. Give us clarity of understanding. Give us conviction of your spirit this morning. And give us conformity to your great will. And may we delight in it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John chapter 14. And we got to roll because I've got a lot to share with you this morning. So back to the statement that we shared last week about the heathen. How is it that heathen who never have heard of the gospel could be saved? Is it even possible? Indeed, it's possible. This is also a desire of ages. The heathen in the gospel, all who have been born into the heavenly family are in a special sense, the brethren of the Lord. The love of Christ binds together the members of his family. And wherever that love is made manifest, there the divine relationship is revealed. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Those whom Christ commands in the judgment may have known little of theology, But they have cherished his principles. Through the influence of the divine spirit, they have been a blessing to those about them. Even among the heathen, here it was, are those who have cherished the spirit of kindness. We send out missionaries to bless people and sometimes they get blessed even before they have a chance to bless others. Before the words of life have fallen upon the ears, they have befriended the missionaries, even ministering to them at the peril of their own lives. Among the heathen are those who worship God ignorantly, those to whom the light is never brought by human instrumentality, yet they will not, what? Perish. How so? Well, there's enough light In general revelation, for one to be saved or one to be lost, we're being told here. Though ignorant of the written law of God, they have heard his voice speaking to them. How? In nature. And they've responded by faith. They have done the things that the law required. Their works. They have works also. Their works are evidence that the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts and they are recognized as children of God. Now remember, these are heathen who have not heard the gospel, but they are recognized as children of God because they have heard the gospel. God's lion has gone out, as the psalmist says, right? They have seen it in nature, and they have responded, even though they never heard of Jesus. How surprised and glad will be the lowly among the nations and among the heathen to hear from the lips of the Savior inasmuch as you have done it under one of the least of these, my brethren. You have done it to who? To me, Jesus said. How glad will be the heart of infinite love as his followers look up with surprise and joy at his words of approval. There'll be some surprises in heaven. But not to any class is Christ's love restricted. He identifies himself with every child of humanity. That we might become members of the heavenly family, he became a member of the human family or earthly family. He is the son of man and thus a brother to who? To every son and daughter of Adam. That would be everyone. Now, how are his followers, how are we supposed to relate to all this? His followers are not to feel themselves detached from a perishing world around them. So we are to feel ourselves attached. They are a part, you are a part, I am a part of the great web of humanity. And heaven looks upon them as brothers to sinners as well as to saints. The fallen, the erring, the sinful, Christ's love embraces. And every deed of kindness done to uplift a fallen soul, every act of mercy is accepted as done to who? As done to Him. Amen. So this is amazing. Christ's love goes out through nature and there's enough revelation in that for one to be saved or lost. And you might say, well, why send out missionaries? If God can do it through nature, we might just mess it up, let him do it. No, no, think about all that they're missing though, right? They don't have the word of God. Think about what you'd be missing if you didn't have the Word of God. You may be a heathen that's never heard of Jesus. Think about all that you're missing, all the blessing. That's why we send out missionaries. Not to mention many misinterpret what they see in nature and might miss out on eternal salvation. Well, how can Jesus do this? He does this because he became us. He became we. Christ took humanity into himself it's a definition here from Dick Davidson's paper on corporate solidarity. Tremendous, I suggest it. It's not a finished document. He may not really be pleased that I'm <laughs> promoting it, but it's got some very good stuff in it. <clears throat> so here's the definition of this corporate solidarity. What's this all about? The whole group, including its past, present, and future members, might function as a single individual through any one of the members conceived as a representative of it. That's a little wordy, but think of Adam. What Adam did affected the whole human race. What Christ did affected the whole human race. Here's a statement on corporate solidarity, and it finds some folk that don't want to agree with this concept. If they don't want to agree with it, they have to deal with this statement and others, but this one in particular. And says this, by his, that is Christ's obedience to all the commandments of God, Christ wrought out a redemption for man, for mankind, for that heathen. That's how he can say that heathen can be saved. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Any one from Islam that can finally be saved at last without knowing about Jesus, if there is such a thing, and it's possible. They're still getting in because of Jesus, but they just don't know it. It's because he took the human race into himself, obeyed all the commandments of God on the behalf of the race. This was not done by going out of himself to another, but by taking humanity into himself. Thus Christ gave humanity an existence out of himself. If this is deep, hang in there. It is deep, but it's so important. That's how he can do the other. The only way he can save the heathen is if he did this, is if he took all humanity into himself. Christ's human nature did two things. It allowed him to be the savior of the world and to be the example of every believer. To bring humanity into Christ, to bring the fallen race into oneness with divinity is the work of redemption. Christ took human nature that man might be one with him as he is one with the Father. What a closeness, right? He took human nature that we might be that close. And that God may love man as he loves his only begotten Son. How much do you think the Father loves the Son? It's pretty pretty big, right? (laughs) Can't quite get your... So, look at this statement. He did this, took human nature, that God may love man, that is mankind, as he loves his only begotten Son. That's his love for you and I today. That men may be partakers of the divine nature and be complete in him. This now is how Christ can save the heathen by taking all of them into himself. So, here's an illustration, another illustration. And it's Nadia Suleiman. Kaiser Permanente sounds familiar. California. It's 2009. It's uh, been a while now. January 26th, she made headlines because she gave birth to six boys and two girls, all in one shot. So kind of instant family. The babies were conceived with the aid of in vitro fertilization. Do you think maybe they gave her just a little too much of that fertilization? Just saying. I don't know. <laughs> and the babies were, of course, delivered. Cesarean section, you would imagine that. <clears throat> but think about that. She, what happened to those babies, what happened to mommy affected what? All the babies, right? All the babies. Whatever mommy did affected the babies, Right? So now think about Christ. Christ, in essence, takes the whole human race into himself. Adam, what Adam did affected the whole human race. What Christ did affected the whole human race. It's as if we're in Christ. I hope the illustration helps. John chapter 14, and we got to roll. So turn there put your seat belts on Christ the way the truth and the life by the way in the midst of everything that's happened the craziness in the last couple weeks you might have missed the supreme court decision 5 to 4 against churches this was brought by two california churches i believe and they said look it's our first amendment right you know people can go to bars and do stuff and you're limiting us and They voted against it, the Supreme Court, five to four. John Roberts sided with the liberal judges on that. So that's very interesting because we know that there will be a day when this country will repudiate every principle of its constitution as a republic and as a Protestant nation and make provision for papal falsehood and delusions. That's right around the corner, I believe do believe, then we may know that the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan and that the end is near. So, this may be just a little precursor to that, this movement by the Supreme Court. Very surprising. I wouldn't have expected it. All right, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. If you had known me, You would have known my father also, and from now on you'll know him, and you'll see him because I'm going to the cross, and the father is there reconciling the world in himself and to himself. Oh, they'll see the father. They'll see his love displayed on the cross. Philip said, just show us the father, and that'll be enough. That'll suffice. That'll be sufficient And I believe they had a problem with the character of the Father. And I've seen that in other situations. Many of our Bible workers have too. To think that Jesus loves you, yeah, people get that. But the Father, they're not as sure about. Well, you can certainly be just as sure of the Father's love as Jesus and the Holy Spirit's. Philip says, show us the Father. Jesus says, have I not been so long with you? And yet you have not known me. So he says, show us the Father. Jesus says, me. Have you not known me? He who has seen me has seen who? Has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the what? What? Does the works. So when Jesus worked, whose works were coming out? The Father's. Good, you guys are tracking. So Jesus worked, but it was the Father's works. Later on in verse 24, he will say it was the Father's words that he spoke. They're they're one, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So the Father's works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very works sake. Who did the works again? Whose works were they? The Father's works. Verse 12, most assuredly, amen, amen, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, he who believes in me, Jesus says, the works that I do, whose works are those again? Father's works. The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works then these will he do, because I go to my Father, and whatsoever you ask in my name, which would be aka according to his will, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, to say that we could work the works of Jesus, that would be a pretty strong statement, wouldn't it? I mean, can we raise the dead? Can we Take someone who's been blind from birth. Can we go through cities and towns and when we leave, everybody has been healed in the whole town? That would be doing the works of Jesus, but it doesn't say that. It says we will do the works of Jesus and what? Greater works. It's like, wait a minute, greater works than Jesus? Sounds almost blasphemous, doesn't it? But go with me to Acts chapter 1. Keep your finger here in John because we'll be back. Go with me to Acts chapter 1, and maybe we can get just a glimpse of what Jesus was talking about because I think there's a couple ways that it's greater. It's greater in the sense that they now have seen the finished work of God in Christ as Revelation. Twelve says the devil has been cast down he was cast out years ago with a one third of the angels but now he's cast down in the mind of everyone and so that's greater but also greater is the extent in which the works will take place there it is in Acts 1 8 but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, first Judea, Samaria, and where else? All the ends of the earth. So these greater works are to a greater extent, right? Because when Jesus was here, he could only be one place at one time. But now through the Holy Spirit, he can be everywhere at one time. And so that is normal Christianity, right? Because Pentecost, that's the early rain. That's where we're living now. That's what we should be doing now. Greater works. We haven't seen anything yet because the latter rain has not fallen. When the latter rain falls, it will be much greater than Pentecost where 3,000 were converted in a day. It's going to be greater than that. We've got the best days for the church are ahead. Amen? In the darkest night, in the darkest hour, the light shines the brightest. That is what's yet to come, soon to come, for us, for God's people. Well, that's what the greater works represent. Moving on, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's a couple ways to look at this. Some would say, in order to show our love to Jesus, we must keep his commandments. Another way to look at it is if you truly love him, you will as fruit, amen, keep his commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another, depending on your version, helper, comforter, paraclete is the word. And Of course, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit, another comforter, another helper. Now it says another, so that would help us to understand that there's a first one, right? So who is the first helper or paraclete? Jesus, absolutely, right? This is another one Jesus is saying now. I give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I do not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Again here, this is not talking about the second coming. He will come at the second coming, but it's talking about coming. In the person of the Holy Spirit, he will not leave us orphans. Pentecostal power is at our disposal now. And we haven't seen anything yet because the latter rain is still to come. Next week, we talk about the latter rain. Verse 19 and onward. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me through the person of the Holy Spirit. You'll see me, not see but experience because I live you will live also at that day you will know that I am in the father and you in me and I in you think of the closeness in that verse 20 he who has my commandments now stay close on this verse because I've got a, another verse from Hebrews that I want to share with you that kind of goes along with this he who has my commandments and keeps them Okay, so first, they have them, they they see them, they perceive them, but they don't just do that, they keep them. And this word keep means to hold on, to guard. So they have them, they see them, they're guarding them. And so they have it, they keep it. That is the one who loves me. So they have it, they keep it, they love. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So they have, they keep, they love, and they get special glimpses of God himself. Nothing could be more special than the glimpses we will get of the latter rain when it comes. It started to fall in the 1800s, in the 1888 era, the latter rain and next week I'll share with you some of those things. Some of the very things happened right here in Battle Creek where nearly every student at the, what was then called the college, they had both college and academy age students at that time, <clears throat> nearly every student had a conversion experience. We know that John Harvey Kellogg was converted by the message of 1888, they, the, the word says that they, not only was it converted, they could see it in him. Um, other things happen later, but we'll, we'll look at that next week. But the, the early rain, so this early rain, latter rain, you guys are familiar with that terminology? Maybe, maybe not. So the early rain was the rains that fell on the crops, you know, like all year long. And then at the end, there was just like phew, this deluge, right, that, that caused the plants to spring up. That was the latter rain. We're in the time of the early rain. The early rain corresponds with Pentecost, which is amazing. That is normal Christianity. I don't think we're quite at the normal level of Christianity that God is calling us to. However, if we're not receiving the early rain on a daily basis, we could miss out on the latter rain, and we're missing out on blessings every day if we do not So the early rain is here. Pentecostal power is here. What did they do to prepare for Pentecost? Well, of course, they were claiming promises. They were praising. They were praying. And they were as if one person, right? If one person had a problem, others would come to their aid. I heard a story recently. I have not confirmed it, so it's sort of hearsay, but... Back in the day when the Adventists were here, 1840s, I guess it would be, let's see, maybe after that, the, the church was such a unit, and the community knew it, that when an Adventist went to get a loan, they could say, they would just say, yeah, oh, we don't need references, sign here, because they knew that if that Adventist didn't pay his loan, the brethren and sisters would come together and somehow take care of it. Interesting. The book of Acts points to that as an early rain experience. Going on with John 14, here a little more. Oh, actually, I want to show you that text in Hebrews. Let's go to that. Keep your finger there. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, the Great Faith chapter because there's a text, verse 13, Hebrews 11:13. 13. I want to show you that. Of course, this is the chronicle of all the great people of faith through the years. And in John, we're looking at they, they, they had something, they first perceived something, and then they, they grabbed it a little more fully, then they loved it, and then they got special glimpses of God. Here is a little different formula, but similar. Verse 13, these all having died in faith, having not received the promise, promises, but having seen them afar off. So that's the first thing they saw. And then they were assured of them. So they, they saw first, and then there was sort of an intellectual grasping. Then they embraced them. So then it came to the heart. Now sometimes the love for the word may come before the intellectual, but these are really the steps. So you see it first. You, you, you intellectually say, yeah, you know, I, I get that. And then it touches and changes your heart. And then lastly, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So these are the steps that God walks us through with the Holy Spirit. But any time the Holy Spirit was poured out, we looked at that in Acts 1.8, you shall go out and quarantine in your living room forever. Did it say that? No. <laughs> I mean, a quarantine, you didn't put on yourself. But my point is this. It calls for activity, right? We are to be witnesses. If we're not witnesses, are we really experiencing the early rain right now? You have to ask yourself that question. I have to ask myself that question. Are you experiencing the normal Christianity for today that God would have us experience? Well, going on, verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how are you going to manifest yourself to us, not to them? Jesus said this, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Hold on. So before it was keep the commandments, now it's keep the word. A little broader application here. He will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father's which sent me. But back to this verse 23, the one who loves me will keep my word, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Reminds me a little of a promise in the book of Revelation, there's a church that is in pretty bad shape. It's wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked, and doesn't know it. That's pretty bad. Anybody remember the name of that church? Uh, Laodicea. Now, interestingly enough, though, to that church, once that church grabs hold of the counsel given to Laodicea, it will have a tremendous experience, so much so that we will sup with Jesus. Jesus, here it says the Father and uh, Father God and Jesus will sit down and commune with us, pitch their tent with us. There in uh, Revelation 3, it says that Laodicea will sup with him and he with them. That's talking about a very, very close relationship. Jesus wanted to come close. God always wanted to come close. He gave the sanctuary in the Old Testament to show how close he wanted to come. He pitched his tent among men, but that wasn't close enough. Christ then comes and becomes us. But even that, then the Holy Spirit comes and we have this communion with him. Closing, I want to share a quote with you. So now we're back to this army metaphor as we close. But it has to do with this chapter also and the early and latter reign. So it's kind of tying it all together. So if you're a little groggy, take a deep breath because we're almost done. But this is really important. It's fairly long, but stay with me, please. I asked the meaning of the shaking that I had seen and was shown that it would be caused by the straight testimony called forth by the counsel of the true witness to the Laodiceans. Now, what is the counsel? Remember that in Laodicea, they, they had all these bad things. And then he says, I counsel you to buy of me some stuff, right? Remember what it was? Gold tried in the fire, white raiment, eye salve. Basically, righteousness by faith in a spiritual sense because that's what those things mean. So that's the counsel to the true witness. It will have its effect upon the heart of, of the receiver, and lead him to exalt the standard and pour forth the straight truth. Some will not bear this straight testimony. They will rise up against it, and this is what caused a shaking amongst God's people. May God use us to shake people in and not out. I saw the testimony of the true witness had not been half-heeded. That is, buy of me gold tried in the fire, right? faith, the faith of Jesus, by of me white raiment, the righteousness of Christ and I, Sav, had been half heeded, had not been half heeded, the solemn testimony upon which, and get this, fairly important here, I'd say, the destiny of the church hangs, has been lightly esteemed, if not entirely disregarded. This testimony must work deep repentance, All who truly receive it will obey it and be purified, said the angel, listen, listen listen here. And soon I heard a voice like many musical instruments, all sounding in perfect strains, sweet and harmonious. Then the angel said, look, first listen, now look. My attention was turned to the company I had seen that were mightily shaken. I saw those whom I had seen who I'd before seen weeping and praying in agony of spirits. Read this whole quote sometime, it's great. The company of guardian angels around them had doubled and they were clothed with an armor from their feet to their head, from their head to the feet. They moved in exact order like a company of soldiers. That's us, Amen. I heard those clothed with the armor speak forth the truth with great power. They had been hungering and thirsting for truth that was dear and more precious than life. I asked, What had made the great change? And the angel answered, It is the latter rain, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord, the loud cry of the third angel. Now we live in the time of Pentecost, soon the even greater latter rain will be poured out upon us, but we must now be daily drinking in the refreshing springs of the early rain to prepare us for what is soon to come. Let's pray. Father in heaven. Your normal for Christianity is kind of a high standard, Lord. In fact, it's a really high standard. And Lord, we can't reach it, but you don't call us to reach it per se. But you do call us to have faith, the faith of Jesus, which will reach it beyond what our imagination could think is what you want to do in us and through us. Now is the time, Lord, for us to be drinking in the Spirit, the early rain, having that connection with you through prayer, through the Word, and through witnessing. That was a huge part of what happened at Pentecost. So, Lord, please make us that kind of people, if ever, We needed you. We need you today. In times like these, we need a Savior. And we have one in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you so much for sending your spirit. There are no orphans today. There are none that your line hasn't gone out to. Your spirit is seeking after each one to their dying day, pleading with them to come to him. And Lord, we are the vehicle that you want to use to share you with a lost and dying world. Please, Lord, I just want to say myself, take me, use me today, Lord, I want to recommit myself, maybe some in our congregation too also, Lord, please use us, Lord, maybe we haven't been as serious about things as we should have. Wake us up, Lord, to the glories of the eternal reality just in front of us the great work you want us to do prior to it we thank you in jesus name amen amen
0: jesus is our rock and he is the answer and i ask that you please sing with us for our closing hymn in times like these please stand
2: Pray. Oh, indeed, Father, you have brought us up out of a miry pit, set our feet upon a rock. We go out with that encouragement and assurance today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us in the valley experiences as well as the mountaintops. And some here have been through the valley lately. And Lord, we're just so grateful that you are right by our side. The whole way, lifting us up, sometimes carrying us, that's the kind of God you are. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.